Hey there, we are Rob and Joanna Teigen. Welcome back to the Growing Home Together podcast. We've been married for over 30 years and we've parented our five kids through all the ages and stages. We're excited to share our passion for caring for the soul of your family with you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, thank you, friends, for joining us today for the Growing Home Together podcast. Hey, remember when you were first married and all the hours and hours that you would spend dreaming about your future together? Well, maybe now that feels like a lifetime ago. And maybe you feel like you settled into a predictable routine that is so familiar, it just seems impossible to imagine any other way of life. And maybe in your heart, you're feeling stuck in a rut. You've lost that sense of excitement for what the future might hold for you as a couple. Yeah, and that is why we are so excited to have our good friends Kathy and Roger Lip on the show today. They know what it's like to dream together and to make those dreams come a reality. Kathy is a popular author and speaker and a marketing and writing coach, and she hosts the popular Clutter Free Academy podcast and the Writing at the Red House podcast. Kathy and Roger are also homesteaders who traded their life in the city for the mountain life of, in California. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kathy and Roger. We love having you here. Oh my God. Awesome. We're so glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I love that we get to hang out on the podcast today. Um, but hey, before we jump in, can you just tell us a little bit about you two and what your life looked like before you started your homesteading adventure? Roger, why don't you take that? Oh, sure. Yeah. We we lived in uh, San Jose, townhome community. I, I have a high-tech job, still do. And uh, we were just surrounded by city life, right? Uh, you know, church was um, just a mile or so away and Starbucks just down the block and a shopping mall just down the block. You know, everything we could possibly want in easy arm's reach. Uh, we could walk there if we wanted to. And uh, that was that was the life we had for, uh, wow, what was it? The first uh, 13. 11, 13 years of our, our marriage. Yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like you guys had a, a good thing going. So what made you realize you wanted to start this homesteading journey? Well, I actually blame it on one of Susie's friends. One of Susie's <laughs> friends. <laughs> I'm getting my words mixed up. One of Kathy's friends, Susie, uh, who uh, has a had a cabin in the woods and we would, we would go there for vacation and to get away and enjoy. It was wonderful to get out of the city and just uh, enjoy the the tall trees and the mountain air. And uh, then she had the, uh, Susie had the audacity to move into her part-time cabin full-time. Uh, so we, our wheels started turning. Yeah. You know, we went to, we, we took a little uh, weekend trip to Lake Tahoe and yeah, we just started thinking, what if we could just have like a one room cabin in the woods where we could go away? And we're like, how could we afford that? And it's like, oh, we could Airbnb it. And then I thought, well, what if we did writer's retreats? We could do, we could get some income. And it just, it spiraled out of control. And we ended <laughs> up going from a one room cabin to 33 acres in the woods. And then you know, we we were wherever we were not living, we were Airbnb and that's kind of a chaotic life. And so when you're looking for this peaceful place in the woods, but you're having to find people to clean the townhouse and, you know, get wood and shut down in the snowstorm, that's less peaceful. And Roger just said one day, what if we moved to the cabin full time? And here we are five years later. 
that is amazing. Um, you know, I've noticed that when Rob and I start to dream or if we set some new goals, we are not always on the same page at the same time. So what would you tell the couple who's struggling? Because one partner maybe isn't quite as ready as the other one to make the leap. So uh, for me on that one, I would say, you know, you don't have to be 100% ready to make a leap. If somebody is 100% ready and the other person is 75%, that's where you can have, you can start to have the compromises. Like, okay, we can move, but we're going to make sure that we come back to the city that we're, you know, where our kids are, things like adult kids. We're not leaving, you know, young children behind. um, You know, we're going to go. Oh, you you gave some, some of us hope there for a second. I know, right there for a second. Yes. None of this is legal or approved. Um, but, to, you know, we're going to go back every couple of months so we can maintain those. Those One of the things we had to figure out was going into town. You know, when we first moved to the mountains, I'm going to say we figured out many reasons to go into town almost every other day. And then we kind of said, oh, OK, we can't be doing that. And now we're at a point where we probably go into town once a week, maybe twice. And there are times when I'm like, yeah, we don't need to go into town. So, you know, to understand that it's going to be an adjustment and that's okay. But I also feel like if somebody in the relationship is feeling really strongly, it's worth exploring that and saying, what are the compromises I could make to make that happen? And what compromises does the person who's more ready for the dream make to have the person who's more reticent feel comfortable with it. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent. You know, we did ours in increments. You know, we lived in both places for a while. And then, you know, we were Airbnb and for a while we stayed with my mom while we visited the cabin. We did all these different things, but you know, we we kind of stone stepped to the full dream. Roger, yeah, does think, that capture it? Yeah. 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 I, I think there's communication and trust really ring for me as being necessary for making this kind of a a leap and finding some kind of a safety net. And for us, that safety net was the initial, we're going to live in both houses. Yes, we will buy a new house and here's the income structure that's going to support that new house. And by the way, that did work. Uh, And the safety net was if uh, if we just don't like living in the woods, then we don't have to. Right. Yeah. Change our mind. And go back. So there was a bit of a, a safety net, but there was also the huge leap. We did have to make the huge leap of buying that house. And honestly, you know, it's never, well, our experience was that we kept looking for the cheap house and we just didn't like any of them. So we 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 ended up with the house that we could barely afford. So that was the leap right there. Yeah. And, sure. uh, and we, we don't regret that. And we didn't regret that. Yeah, I love that because um, I think... I know, you know, with with couples, sometimes one of us likes change more than the other. And and when one of us starts dreaming, it's very easy for the other person to start thinking through the, well, what about this? And what about this? But to kind of have that, like you said, that open mind and that open communication to like, well, well, let's just throw all options on the table. What could we do? And how could we do this in a way that you know, where, where we could realize one couple's dream maybe, but do it in a way that we both um, can get excited about it and feel comfortable with it. And so I love the way you guys did that. Yeah. I think for us, uh, 
probably our biggest challenge. And that was Rob had had a dream for just forever about owning rental property. And it completely mm-hmm. freaked me out. I don't know why. It just mm-hmm. totally freaked me out. And um, we had a really hard time getting mutually excited about that. And yeah. I think though, wrestling that out, it actually gave us a chance to get to know ourselves better. And Rob gave me the gift of time to, to process. Mm-hmm. But I realized like in big things like that, I like to work in relationship, like relationships are a really big deal to me. And so mm-hmm. once we kind of tweaked the dream from let's own ramp- rental property to let's own rental property that can be used to accomplish relationship and blessing for people in our life, that that totally changed the story for me. And so we did end up getting rental property and the young women who live there um, are some students and young women who um, attended a local Christian university that we got to be really close with or really cared about. And it's just turned out to be an accessible source of housing for these amazing young women of faith. So I guess we both accomplished a dream, but from a different side of it. But I think because Rob gave me the gift of time that had a chance to float to the top. I think that's similar to what we went through, right? Because the the initial uh, dream of uh, living in the woods and the mountains, that was, that was more my thing. And as we were exploring how could we actually do that, we came up with the writer retreat concept, which now got Kathy excited about it as well. So, you know, we found that uh, by exploring how do we uh, solve one thing, we actually ended up bringing both of us into the journey in a in a more significant way. So uh, it sounds similar to what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that God often gives a person a dream for discourse. You know, that there is, you know, there may be coming around and compromise. And that's why, you know, we can't be selfish with these dreams. We we are in a partnership and both people, you know, if if both people aren't on board, then it can't happen. But it's worth sussing out and talking. And I think you're so right, Joanna, that sometimes, you know, this reveals maybe some childhood trauma or something that we've brought, you know, both Roger and I have been married before. And, uh, you know, I still wake up in a cold sweat from a dream about my ex-husband and something, you know, it's so weird how our past can come into current relationships. Even though I trust Roger with my life, you know, those things are real and they have to be addressed. They have to be worked out. Sometimes those dreams are an opportunity to really get to the core of why am I reacting this way? Why, why am I scared about something that doesn't seem scary on the surface and we have to pay attention to those things. Yeah. Well, you know, from following your story online and reading your book, uh, The Accidental Homesteader, I know you've had pretty much one adventure after another since you got started. So, hey, we just have to know what are some of the toughest situations that you faced and how did you face those together? Well, one thing we have decided is that if either of us decides that this isn't what we want to do anymore, we have to bail because it takes a team to survive this. And I would say our toughest challenge came after, well, I don't even know about that, but the most dramatic challenge came after the book was published. And that was uh, last winter, 14 feet of snow, 14 feet of snow, 14 feet of snow. Yeah. And so it's you were supposed insane. to get two inches. We got 14. Yes. You're saying that, Kathy, like it just happened yesterday. 
it, you know, Roger, you were just digging out the snow equipment yesterday and you said you had post-traumatic stress disorder. I just grabbing that stuff. I was falling out the snowshoes. It's, it hasn't started snowing yet, but I was getting them ready because we know it's coming some point and that was oh man that's flashbacks last yeah. year yeah. so were you trapped <laughs> in your house or what did that look like you know trapped yes. is a strong word but yes <laughs> it's an accurate word, word. Uh. Uh, so our house uh, sits down the hill a bit from the the main driveway into the community uh which is is not plowed so there's you know the city isn't coming to plow us out or anything we have about a mile of country gravel mountain to get to a paved road that is plowed. So, and that, that road that isn't plowed is up a hill quite a ways. So, um, I parked our car up toward there and every now and then I would just get out the shovel and dig out the, what is it? Probably 200 yards up to the top of the hill to the, uh, where I, we parked the car just to keep it clear so that we could walk up the hill to the car if we did have to get out. Yeah, it was, it was pretty everything. wild. Oh, we lost we, power all the time. <laughs> yeah, we, we're the first to lose power and the last to get it back. But we have a generator. Right. I think the scariest thing was a couple of winters ago um, when we had a ton of snow, we also lost our generator. But this is where my skills come in because uh, next door to us, we have a single guy. His name is Paul. And uh, he's a volunteer firefighter, but he also has heavy equipment. And I bring him dinner once a week because, one, he's just a good guy. And if I didn't bring him dinner, he would be eating Lunchables for three meals a day. But also he has been, no, we're the first person he digs out when there's a snowstorm. It may be because he wants to be fed or maybe just because he's a good guy. But, you know, that's where my contributions come in. Oh, well, that saved the, our house during the fire. So that would be good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Tell us more about that. Oh, yeah. So we we were the first evacuated for the Caldor fire that happened in 2000. Was it 2021? I can't remember. It's, other things 21. were locked out. But we were the very first one. And guys, it burned um, 700 houses in our community, 900 structures. It was on all four sides of us. And we lost two acres of ours were burned. But it was a three-week fire. And, you know, Roger, you know. One of the biggest in California that we've ever had. Uh, It was was big. Did you have to evacuate the chickens or? We did evacuate the chickens. (laughs) Yes. They first went to our friend Susie's house, our neighbor, half hour away. And then she had to evacuate. So we met her in a parking lot of a grocery store and we got our chickens back and we ended up making a makeshift uh chicken coop at my mom's house in the city and uh, yeah uh, those chickens cages. are well traveled wow that is really something <laughs> so so you guys went from from like a starbucks that you could walk to to snowstorms and blackouts and possibly losing your house to fires and so quite a quite a change in your your uh, direction there yeah you know it's so interesting we thought we were busy in silicon valley and then uh, and we were to a certain extent because our kids were younger and things like that and um you're up here it's a different kind of busy it's it's a very purposeful busy you know you and it's 
in in Silicon Valley, you know, you don't feel like cooking. You do, you know, you can do DoorDash. Here, yeah, there is no DoorDash. That's not happening for you. So your your life is structured in a very different way. But uh, it's it's there's busyness, but it's always purposeful. And I don't know. There's there's just something to it where you know it's different going to the grocery store every day because you can and to say, oh, you know what? I need to plan my week. And because we're not running out to the store for milk, that's never going to happen while you're here because it's a three hour round trip. And so you, you, it's a different pace of life. There are real rhythms and routines and there's rest, but also there's a connection to Roger that is different than what I had in Silicon Valley. And I'm really grateful for that. And here's the thing. I could have made those choices in Silicon Valley to a different rhythm of our lives, but I almost feel like I needed to be forced to. And so, you know, this homesteading lifestyle that we've kind of fallen into in a different way has brought things out that I don't know that would have happened in San Jose. We're gardeners here. You know, Roger, who do? He is the master gardener up here. He is, he's out there tilling the soil and digging the dirt and we're harvesting. And, you know, we, we never really experienced seasons in, in Silicon Valley. There's bring a sweater and don't bring a sweater in Silicon Valley. I mean, that's really, you don't need a heavy jacket. And up here, you know, we, we plan what we're eating by what the garden's bringing out. Uh, we, it's it's just a different way of life, but I feel like it's been it's brought out the best in each of us, and it's brought out the best in our marriage. That's great. Well, what I what what we love about you guys, and we we've known Joanna and I have known you for a while now, is is yeah. we love the the great partnership that you two have together. Mm-hmm. So, how have your different skills and interests come into play as you build your homestead? How has that that played out? Well, uh, yeah. So I've uh, I've learned to uh, make things with my hands and uh, work the work ground. So uh, I created the, the chicken coop and I made the garden and I made the greenhouse, uh, none of which I had done in San Jose. I, that was not even, I, I think I made a, uh, a window garden box one time and that was the extent of my woodworking skills. So that's it's definitely pushed. And, and now we have a, uh, a grove of trees, the fruit trees that we're trying and a uh, large, very large garden size uh, greenhouse. Yeah. So it's, it's been interesting. So I, I do a lot of the outside things and Kathy has done a lot of the inside things, but she does outside and I do inside. So it's, it's a partnership all around. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's what are we interested in? Uh, you know, like I'm cooking from scratch most of the time when we're doing things. But also, you know, it's there's so much that goes into this is a big house for us. You know, this is, you know, our house in San Jose was fourteen hundred square feet. And when we have people come up here, they're not coming up for a meal. They're coming up for a weekend or a week. And so to really think of in those terms is very, very different. I would say we do different kinds of dreaming too. You know, the, the garden was my dream, but now Roger is expanding the garden. He's expanding the dream. And what an orchard. Uh, yeah. He wants an orchard so bad because he wants a peach pie that we've made from the ground up. And so, you know, the, the, 
animals, you know, having chicken was my dream for a long time that Roger really, really resisted until his boss said, oh, I've got chickens. They're very low maintenance. I think he oversold on that one. This is kind of five minutes. But we will we'll be revisiting this. Yes, we are revisiting the, exp- you know, do we want more chickens? Um, we're putting that plan on hold for a little while just because it keeps you tied to your house in Mm -hmm. a very real way. And so you have to find babysitters for the chickens if you're going to be gone more than a couple of days. And, you know, that's that's a whole thing, trying to find people who are like, yeah, I'll take on your chickens. But it's also, you know, it's it's given us dreams that we didn't know we had before. You know, we're part of a community now and we want to be a part of that community. The, the way to be a community up here is by the Fire Safety Council. That's where it, I, it's, it's a quirky little group of people um, and we bring our own quirk to it, but getting to know people and invest in their lives and be a part of this. So, you know, we have dreams of building on here, like, you know, Joanna, you were talking about, it's based on relationships and, you know, could we put a yurt on here or could we put a second home on here to build into those kind of relationships and we're thinking about those and we're dreaming about them. So, you know, it's it's been fun to see the skills that have come out. I it really has been fun to see Roger become a whole new person, you know, out there building the greenhouse. The greenhouse is not this little lean to. I mean, it's a whole struck somebody could sleep in there if they really needed to. And so, you know, and Wouldn't recommend just, it. We wouldn't recommend it, but we, you know, being prepared up here is, I don't know that that's really a dream, but it's the skills that we've brought into it. You know, being prepared, not just for us, for our neighbors. We've had, um, you know, we had a woman show up in the middle of the night one time on Christmas Christmas. night. Yeah. Yeah. Just lost in the snow and bringing her in and um, getting her, you know, warmed up. She had been walking around for a couple of hours in, you know, a foot and a half of snow, lost and scared. And to to see Roger, you know, make sure that she was comfortable and to just be a presence for her. You know, it, it brings out the best in both of us, things that we didn't know we had. And I love when God can do that, bringing out the best in your spouse. But it it is a leap. It really is. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've created this situation where you just have a million new ways to give to each other. You know, you're you're both producing and creating and sounds like you've created a whole new kind of interdependence that you have to have to make it up there. So I can imagine that would be really um, invigorating for a relationship. You know, and the ways we say we love you are very different. I think, you know, before it was Roger would show up with a Starbucks and he still does that. Some He goes to town more than I do. And, you know, there's usually a Starbucks on the other end of it. But, you know, when I've had a really rough night, you know, him going down and getting the coffee started and getting the fire started. And when I know he's yesterday, he had a really, really long day. He had to be up super early uh, for church, which is an hour and a half away. So, you know, I made sure that there was soup on the stove and brownies. Brownies are a love language for Roger. And, you know, just he goes and he lets the chickens out super early because it's super dark. And I'm not going to lie, it's a little scary when it's that dark. And mm-hmm. just, you know, the ways that we serve each other are very small, but they mean so much. And there are a lot of thank yous in our house. You know, lots of times I think that we just 
We say, okay, you say you love me by doing this for me. But, you know, one of the biggest things is the thank yous for us. And Roger forces me to get off the mountain. We have a dog. You guys have probably, I know you've seen online. Oh, I love your dog dog from afar. Yes. Yes. And you've probably also seen that she has lymphoma and, you know, that's what she's going to die of. And I hate leaving her. I hate leaving her. Um, Like my eyes will tear up as I'm talking about it because I know we have so few days left with her. But Roger forces me to get off the mountain. He knows she's going to be okay and um, forces me to go do adventure. And once I'm out, I'm good. It's the leaving that's really, really hard. But he knows what's good for me. And um, we support each other's mental health, spiritual health, physical health. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. And in your book, you talk about giving yourselves grace. And, you know, I think for a recovering perfectionist like Rob and me, that can be tough, um, especially if we're putting ourselves in a situation that feels really new or a little bit risky. So what does it mean to give ourselves grace as we're following these kind of dreams? I would say for me, it's saying instead, okay, first of all, I say that, you know, 20% of the decisions I make are mistakes. They just are, you know, and that's okay. But every year we're up here, we learn through pain. I'm just going to be honest. You know, this is the first year that we took the AV, um, ATV, the chainsaw and the snowblower into town in time for us to get them back before snow happens. Like, And that was a decision that Roger planned ahead for and made because we've gotten to the point where let's get the snowblower or not snowblower. What's that thing called, Roger? The, the, is it a snowblower? Okay. Snowblower. I, it, it, but it has like, I think of snowblowers as just like a reverse vacuum. This has like a blade and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Can you tell I'm not the one who runs the snowblower? (laughs) But, um, here's the beautiful thing. Like, Last year, we went to get that out and the blade was bent. There was no way for us to know that. And now it's like, okay, we're learning through some pain. And so to we give ourselves... Just to remind you, last year was 14 feet of snow. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was important and it was not here. Yes. So, uh, But, you know, we're getting smarter each time. We're getting wiser each time. And so to say... You know, we didn't know what we didn't know. And so I'm never going to get mad at Roger for not knowing what he didn't know. And Roger is not a neglectful person. We're both forgetful sometimes. And so that's why it's good we can remind each other, oh, remember this happened last year. We probably need to take care of it this year. So, Roger, does that feel accurate how I'm describing oh, it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that uh, sometimes the consequences from our mistake uh, are are felt strongly. Uh, two years ago, I didn't get the maintenance done on a generator at the right time. And so in the middle of a month-long snowstorm where we're trapped for a month, our generator goes out and will not start. So we did not have power uh, for several days. That's when we evacuated, Yeah, <laughs> when we could. Um, and that was a consequence of me not getting the, uh, the generator uh, maintenance done. But we're both experiencing those kinds of uh, missteps and errors and mistakes. And we know we're both doing them. And we are very quick to reassure the other that it's okay. It's fine. 
we're with you, you know, we're together, uh, and forgiveness and, you know, it's just, oh, of course, don't even think anything about it. You know, even though we're, we're in the midst of the consequences of it. Both of yeah. us are going to be harder on ourselves than we are on each other because we both want to be our best for each other. And so, but also you have to, you have to just say, Hey, that was a mistake. I made the wrong decision. Where do we move on from here? Because, you know, as much as it can feel like life and death up here, we, we can, you know, we, we have figured out how to get to a neighbor or how to do those kind of things. And, uh, so most of the time, it's not going to be life or death, but we do err on the side of caution. You know, we were, like I said, we were the first to evacuate when the Caldor fire hit. And a lot of people chose to go much later. And, you know, I would rather, I feel like sometimes we make decisions because of pressure from other people and we don't care. We don't care if we look like, oh, you know, we're reactionary or, oh, you know, you precious babies, you you left as soon as the flames hit. No, we're we're going to be okay with being overly cautious in some of these things because um, the the opposite um, decisions can be can be really traumatic, and so we're not going to do that. Now we uh, the generator has regular maintenance, and yes, we own two backup generators. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. There you go. So yeah, I kind of like to circle back to the beginning of our talk where we were you know, talking about how a lot of times it's easy as a couple to fall into a rut. You know, we feel boxed in by our jobs or the yeah. needs of our kids, or it could be our budget, you, na you name it. So how can a couple start giving themselves permission to dream again? And, you know, what is are some of the first steps we can take to make that happen? Because even like you mentioned, a lot of times what comes into our heads is what every other everybody else is going to think and wonder yeah. uh, when we do something uh, as crazy as moving from the city to the mountains, you know? Yeah. Well, you guys were talking earlier about, you know, some dreams that you guys want to explore. And I I think about it this way. The first thing you have to do is do some reconnaissance work. If your dream is to move to Denver because you want to ski all the time or, you know, let I, there are lots of ski places there. The first thing to do is do some research. And also, have you been there? You know, Denver may be very different in your mind than you think. Uh, you know, like one of the things I've learned whenever I go to Denver is you, you cannot drink enough water. You have to. Are you willing to drink water like 30 times a day? Because that's how I have to do it in high altitude. You have to figure out, is this really a dream or is this just do we idealize what this looks like. And then if it's your partner's dream, am I catastrophizing their dream? You know, if they said, oh, I want to move to Alaska. Well, I can't move to Alaska. Nobody lives in Alaska. I can't get Starbucks there. I can't do the things I want to do. That's probably not true either. They're going to be compromises in both ways. So, you know, the first thing you do is you do your research. You, you take trips. Is this someplace I would really like to live? You know, we had kind of a good idea, kind of an idea that this was good because we had been up here at our friend's cabin so often. We had lost power at our friend's cabin. We knew that they still, you know, they'd lived there for six years and they were still alive and everything. Okay. So, you know, we started to figure out, could this really work for us? But also we have a deadline on this dream. We know we can't live up here uh, if if either of our health take a backward step. And here's the beautiful thing. Since we've lived up here, our health has only gotten better. 
I mean, you know, we're sleeping better up here. I've lost weight. You know, there there are good things. I'm off all of my medications. Like this is the best move we've ever made. And to be able to say, you know, but there's a deadline on this dream because if my back goes out or if Roger, Roger was having some shoulder pain last year, some arm pain, and it's like, we can't stay up here forever. So in our brains, we've got another five, maybe seven years up here. And either this has to become like a three quarter, a three quarter season house where we can live up here, you know, the spring through the fall and we have to live somebody place else in the winter or we need to sell it. And so to be realistic about these things, but to start so many people shut down our our own dreams or our partner's dreams without giving it a chance and to say, are there compromises I'm willing to make to see this dream that my spouse has be a reality? And so there are inter- I always talk about this, like some people bought the book, The uh, Axel Homesteader, because they want to become homesteaders, but some bought it because they like aspects of the homesteading lifestyle and that's enough for them. Maybe they want to raise chickens in the middle of their city, which a lot of places you can do that. Or maybe they just want to do more cooking from home. Or maybe they want to entertain more. They want to have people, not just, they don't want to entertain, they want to be with people. Like when people come to visit, we're, we're sitting by a fire. We're chopping firewood together. We're doing life together. We're not, you know, putting out the china. And so that's where you can start to look at the dream a little differently and see what each person brings to it. Mm. That's a really good word. Yeah. And I was just hoping you could share with us too. Um, how does your faith play a part in how you deal with the, the setbacks or even how you set goals or imagine what you'd like to do in the future? Yeah. You know, this this is where our, I feel like our faith has hit the road. I mean, like when we're praying, we're praying in very tangible ways about our situation here. But also because we're so isolated, I feel like I'm doing a lot more reaching out to people and a lot more listening to what's going on in their lives. And I spend a lot of time just on Facebook or Instagram or Voxer praying for people. And uh, because we're not in, we're pretty isolated, but and we can talk about our faith in really tangible ways with people in our community to say, you know, we've been praying for you. We heard that, you know, your your husband was sick, getting an update. They know that we care about them. And I just see how, how much the Bible has come alive to me through nature, looking at the seasons, looking at our animals, looking at how God has... You, the Adventists say that nature is God's second book, and I really believe that, that we see his faithfulness, we see his patterns, we see who he is and how he cares for us through living up here in a way that I never really explored in a condo in Silicon Valley. Roger, you were going to say something too. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like it, saying there's so much more tangible here in this kind of environment. Uh, the amazing beauty that's around us is spectacular and just draws us into the wonder of God's creation. Our dependence on God for daily needs and survival at times uh, when the environment turns against us. So it's uh, I'm reminded about uh, farmers 
you know, it's yeah. their, their entire livelihood is dependent on, on nature. And so they, they have that connection with God right there. And I, I'm feeling that strongly here as well. Yeah, we have 42 vineyards around us. And so getting to see, you know, those parables come to life is pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, that leaves me with a really good takeaway. I, I feel like you're saying it's created margin to be still and just know that mm-hmm. he's God in such a, a new way. And how um, I think in our, Rob and I have a pretty typical urban lifestyle, I guess you'd yeah. say, and just um, yeah. you have to fight for that, I think. And so I think moving into that with such intention is a really great example for all of us. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think, yeah, it also reminds me on the opposite side of that is that sometimes stepping out of our comfort zone, we don't, we, we, we know it, but we easily forget unless we push ourselves out of our comfort zone that that's oftentimes where we, we see and hear and feel more, more deeply sometimes. So, you know, you we're know, Rob, I'll, I'll just say to yeah. that, that, you know, we, when we were talking about, you know, how prepared are we to go forward with our spouse, you know, the Holy Spirit can make up the difference in a lot of regards. Yeah. I don't have to be 100% prepared. I don't have to know that Roger's 100% prepared. If we feel that God is calling us to it, he's He's not calling us to destruction. You know, that we can learn and the Holy Spirit can give us guidance where we didn't have it before. And I'm really grateful in our relationship. Roger's more the woe and I'm more the woo. And, um, <laughs> you know, oftentimes in some of these things. But, you know, the gifts that God has given Roger keep us safe. And the gifts that God has given me sometimes can push us forward. But I see Roger also pushing us forward. And sometimes I keep us alive. So it's it's amazing where the Holy Spirit can step in and be help us with that wisdom that we need when we're we're when we feel God is calling us to something. Yeah, that's great. You know, right now we're kind of at the starting gate of a whole new year. And um, mm-hmm. what's a word of encouragement you could give or leave with us and and the couples listening that are hoping uh, that come December things look a little different uh, than they do today? So let me take uh, one one statement from that. Uh, I, I think this idea that you brought up about our comfort zone is it's so important. We would have never done this adventure if we stayed in our comfort zone. Because we knew how to do life in San Jose. We, we had done it for a long time. And our inertia would just keep us doing life in San Jose. And it's hard to break that. It's hard to get out of your comfort zone. It's, a com- it's comfortable for a reason. We know how to do it. Uh, but if you have a dream, if you have a calling, uh, someplace that takes you out of that, uh, do, your, do the planning, do the prep, do the, do the things you need to do, but take the step. You know, to ask the question, what if? And most of the time, the what if is like, okay, well, that that may not work. But to say, well, what if we want, you know, wanted to do this someday? What would be the first step? What if? And you don't have to commit to everything, but commit to something. Commit to doing something new. Commit to trying something new. It could be anything from ballroom dancing lessons to Zillow searches, Right. All of those things are what ifs, and there is life in the what if. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I am guessing that there are couples listening today who are either feeling 
stressed out about tomorrow or they're feeling frustrated that the change that they're craving is just really slow to come. Um, And we were hoping that you would be willing to pray for just all of us as we navigate the future that God has planned for us. Would you be willing to pray? I I would be happy to. Thank you for asking. Heavenly Father, uh, as, as you are so very present with every person who is listening right now, and with Rob and Joanna and Roger and I, and I pray that people feel your presence, that they feel your very presence, and that they are attuned to your ear. God, I pray that there would be sweet comfort in hard situations, and I pray that there would be excitement and joy in the new year to come. God, we know that you are doing a new thing in our lives and each person's life who is listening. God, I pray that there would be just an excitement about that new thing. Even if it the path is not always clear, God, I know that you illuminate our paths. And I pray that each step that everybody who's listening would feel your presence. God, we don't know what is going to happen in this coming year, in the next five years, in the next 10 years. But God, we know that you are with us. And God, I pray that we are with you. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I love that we can have this conversation while you guys are up in the mountains of California and we're in the urban uh, city and in Michigan here. And and I also love your book, The Accidental Homesteader. I think it's a, a great uh, travel journey for anybody because you guys really share kind of the ins and outs. I, and there's beautiful photography here. I see great job on that uh, greenhouse. I see yeah. that in here. And yummy recipes, let me <laughs> tell oh, you. Yeah. Your, your neighbor is a, a fortunate guy. I see some of these recipes <laughs> in here. Um, but I know people are going to want to get a hold of a copy of your book and also see the great um, coaching and, and other opportunities that you guys offer. How can how can people connect with you online? Yeah. So it's Kathy Lip everywhere that social media is. And the book is available everywhere, including, you know, all all the places that you love to buy books. But if you do purchase it, there is a website, accidentalhomesteaderbook.com, where you can get while you're waiting for the book to show up or, you know, waiting for that download or however you consume the books. We also it's also on Audible, but uh, they we have this um, simple living guide that you can download and it has some great recipes. It has Roger's salsa recipe and my queso recipe, which um, both of those are bangers and some DIY projects, all little taste of homesteading that you can get right away. You had me at salsa and uh, queso. (laughs) That is so fun. (laughs) Good. Okay. Well, gosh, Kathy and Roger, thank you so much for sharing some of your story with us today. I think that you have inspired all of us to take some new steps forward this year. Oh, my goodness. You guys are so much fun. Thanks for having us. Thanks. And thank you, friends, for joining us today for the Growing Home Together podcast. Uh, Rob and I would love to connect with you online at growinghometogether.com. You're going to find all kinds of resources to pray for your marriage, pray for your kids, and make fun memories as a family. And hey, don't miss our 365-day devotional for couples, too, as you follow God together in this new year. At Growing Home Together, we're caring for the soul of your family. And growing home together with you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Growing Home Together podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and found some valuable insights to help you care for the soul of your family. Remember to check out growinghometogether.com for more resources. And stay tuned for our next episode coming your way soon.